0: Says, wear the news to every land, guide like the steeps and cross the ways, Unworthy is our Lord's command. Go back, ye ocean caves. Earth shall keep her jubilee. Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Sing above the battle strife. Jesus saves, Jesus saves. By his death and endless life. Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Sing ye softly through the gloom. When the heart for mercy craves Sing in triumph for the tomb Jesus saves, Jesus saves Give the winds a mighty voice Jesus saves, Jesus saves Let the nations now rejoice Jesus saves, Jesus saves Shout salvation fallen free Highest hills and deepest caves This our song of victory Jesus saves, Jesus saves Amen Let's sing another song, 375 Since Jesus came into my heart There's a wonderful change, amen what a wonderful change in my life has been wrought since Jesus came into my heart I have lied in my soul for which long I have sought since Jesus came into my heart since Jesus came into my heart since Jesus came into my heart. My soul like the sea bellows roll since Jesus came into my heart. I have ceased from my wandering and going astray since Jesus into my heart where my sins which were many are all washed away since Jesus came into my heart. Since Jesus came into my heart, since Jesus came into my heart. a joy or my soul like the sea billows roll. since Jesus came into my heart. There's a light in the valley of death now for me, since Jesus came into my heart. And the gates of the city beyond I can see since Jesus came into my heart. Since Jesus came into my heart, sing it out since Jesus came into my heart. Floods of joy o'er my soul like the sea billows roll. Since Jesus came into my heart. Now if Jesus really did come into your heart and you are joyful about it, you're glad about it. Listen, let's sing it out. Amen. We need to sing that out because he really has done a change in our hearts and lives. It's an eternal one. We're going to heaven and amen, we need to share that with the rest of the world. So let's sing it out this last verse. I shall go there to dwell in that city I know. Amen. I shall go there to dwell in that city I know Since Jesus came into my heart And I'm happy, so happy as onward I go Since Jesus came into my heart Since Jesus came into my heart Since Jesus came into my heart heart. Bloods of joy, you're oh my soul Like the sea billows Since Jesus came into my
1: heart Amen. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning and once again we want to thank you for the beautiful day that you have given us. We thank you for each one that is here and Lord, today we have come to worship you We ask that that would be accomplished. We know there's certain things that must happen, Lord. Number one, we must each and every one of us surrender our hearts and our lives and everything that we are to you. Lord, we also must be willing to allow you to change who and what we are. And Lord, we just ask that we would work together to bring glory to your name. In Jesus' name we pray, amen the front.
0: Amen. Now let's turn to page 168. 168, The Cleansing Wave.
2: Oh, now I
0: see the cleansing wave, the fountain deep and wide. Jesus, my Lord, my to save, voice to his wounded side. The cleansing stream I see, I see, I plunge and oh, me. Oh, praise the Lord, it cleanseth me, it cleanseth me, yes, cleanseth me. I rise to walk in heaven's own light above the world of sin, with heart made pure and one man's with Christ enthroned within. The cleansing stream I see, I see, I plunge and oh, it cleanseth me. Oh, praise the Lord, it cleanseth me, it cleanseth me, yes, it cleanseth me. Amazing grace, it is to feel the blood of mine. and Jesus only, Jesus, know, by Jesus crucified? The cleansing stream I see, I see. That's because we serve a great Savior, 822, past the index, 822, our great Savior, amen, 822. Jesus, what a friend for sinners, Jesus, lover of my soul. Friends may fail, we foes of children 11 and under dismissed to the children's church and we'll sing that fourth verse as the last. Jesus was a guide and keeper while the tempest still is high. Storms about me night or day. He my pilot hears my cry.
1: Take your Bibles, if you would, and turn to the book of Romans, chapter 8, Romans, chapter 8, and I want to read verse 18, and uh, this morning we're going to try to do a summary of the entire chapter, but we're going to do so uh, by just examining this one verse here in chapter 18 and trying to put it in its context and... and uh, I don't know about uh, where everyone is, uh, but uh, this time of year seems to be a a great time for, uh, shall we say the word fatigue. Uh, School is almost over, right? Almost. A couple more weeks for public school. Most of the colleges are either out or getting out very very shortly and and it's that end of the year and uh, um, summer is almost here how many are going to take a vacation this summer sometime? maybe okay we got three hands Uh, we're uh, we're going to try to take a a vacation this summer but uh, most of my vacations end up working vacations and uh, then we just Get tired. Now, I don't want you to raise your hand, but as I look out over the crowd, I see some tired faces. And uh, the Bible tells us, and it warns us continually, let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season ye shall reap, if ye faint not. And the verse here that we're going to look at today is along those same lines. Verse 18, let's read it here. It says, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Now, this morning we want to look at this verse. We want to examine it word for word, verse 18 of Romans chapter 8. But we want to put it in its overall context. And, and again, we, we believe in a literal understanding of the Scripture, but you can't understand what it is literally saying unless you get the entire passage. Uh, We've had an awful lot of political debate going on here of late in the United States, and one of the favorite things to do when you have an opponent that you are arguing with through the newspapers or whatever is to take their own words out of context you remember the mayoral uh, campaign uh, when uh, Mr. Bloomberg was running uh, for his, I believe it was for his re-election, uh, the Marijuana Reform Party got a hold of a little statement that he had made about smoking marijuana when he was in school. And he said, I did inhale and I did enjoy it, but I'm never going to do it again. And they just took the phrase, I did inhale did enjoy it. Mike Bloomberg, he endorses marijuana. Does anybody remember that? It actually happened. It was all over. I saw bumper stickers in New York. And that's not what the mayor said. Has nothing, I mean, those were his words, yeah. But that's not what he was talking about. He was trying to be honest and say that he actually did it, unlike some politicians. Well, I smoke, but I never inhale. Uh, come on. Uh, Listen, it's better if you never, ever touch this stuff. Amen? And uh, we often remind you, the easiest way to quit smoking cigarettes is never start. Amen? Uh, The easiest way to quit doing drugs is never take them the first time. Amen? The easiest way to keep your mind pure is not to allow yourself to run down those alleys of perversion. You always do it here. Long time before you do it out here. Now, God heals those things and He cleanses those things, but we are locked in a life and death struggle and we fail to realize the seriousness of the situation most of the time. And so we want to put this verse in context. This verse is in the context of fighting against sin in our personal lives. Now, if I ask you a question, how many of Well, let's just do it. If you can't be honest in church, we say this often, where can you be honest? How many of you have broken God's laws? How many of you have sinned this week personally in your life? okay. I mean, come on, let's hold up our hands for a minute. I mean, let's be honest. Let's hold them up so people can see them. I mean, if you're not holding your hand up, you either didn't understand the question or you've just added to the tally, right? I mean, this thing called sin is part of our life. Let me ask you a question. Did Jesus die on the cross for driving 65 in a 50-mile-an-hour speed zone. Did he? Yes, he did. It's a sin. You're breaking the law. Jesus, did Jesus die for all the little white lies that people told this week? Yes, he did. Did he die for the murders that were committed, the adultery, all the great sins? You know, we think of big sins and little sins. God doesn't look at it that way. Because when you compare all of the sins that we know about today, they all seem a whole lot worse, at least to me, than picking a piece of fruit off a tree and eating it now, don't they? Hmm? Is that really such a bad thing? Just picking a piece of fruit off a tree and eating it? Oh, but pastor, you don't understand. That's an allegory. That really didn't happen. Adam and Eve were just fictitious characters. Oh, you talk to some of those evolutionist freaks. You know what they believe? They believe that all human beings came from one common ancestor. Now they believe the ancestor had fur and hung in trees, and uh, but look around. I've seen human beings do that, right? Now let's let's just be honest. They are coming to the conclusion that they agree with the Bible. They're just too dumb to admit it. Amen. They can't admit it because then there would have to be a God. And if there is a God, then Adam and Eve were real people. And if Adam and Eve were real people, then eating that fruit on that tree was one of the greatest acts in history because death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. What I want to put forth today is one of the reasons why we are tired and beat down and worn out is because we fail to understand the seriousness of our personal battle with this thing called sin. Let's look at verse 1 of Romans chapter 8. Verse 1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation. We sing that in our song. I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. There is therefore now no condemnation down in my heart. Why to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk after this flesh, af- not after the flesh. let me read let me start over again, boy, I almost uh, wandered into deep heresy here. Therefore, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. We'll get this thing right before too long. Uh, you cannot. Take the life that God has given you and invest it in the desires and the satisfaction of the flesh. Look with me at verse 4. That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. Verse 6. For to be carnally minded is death but to be spiritually minded is life ...and peace. Verse 8, So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Verse 9, But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so, be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of you. Verse 13, For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live for as many as are led of the Spirit of God... They are the sons of God. Verse 17, And if children then heirs, heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. That's the context of that verse. How many of you have ever had a deadline and you had to give everything you are and push and not go to... I mean, how many of you graduated college? You you know what it is to have a deadline, not to sleep nights, to take that test, to get that paper written. I used to work uh, night shift when I was in college, and I get off at 7 o'clock in the morning and then sleep through all of my classes. No, I I didn't do that. Not all of them anyway. Uh, One day I woke up at the ending bell and looked up, and there was the professor smiling down at me. There were only four of us in the class. And uh, he said, you can get the notes from your friend there. Uh, He said, I think you needed to sleep more than you did the lecture today. Uh, I like that professor. Uh, I had another one that grabbed a hold of me one time while I was asleep in class. And uh, God protected him because I am one of those people that if you startle me, uh, my brothers have gone flying across rooms on, on occasion. And, uh, and uh, boy, that was scary. I, he, he scared me so bad because I almost hit him. Uh, I could feel it. And uh, praise God, I didn't. Otherwise, I wouldn't be here. They'd have thrown me out of college my last week in school. And uh, that, that would have been awful. But we don't want to travel that road any further. Um, the idea here is that we need to understand the battle that we are in and that it is worthy of the endeavor of our last ounce of energy. We cannot serve God with half measures. Calvary's cross was not plan B for God. It was not, well... I'll wake up today, and Jesus said, well, today's the day I'm going to go to the cross and we're going to take care of this thing. God had planned that before He spoke the first word of creation. And Jesus kept track. In fact, we we have a group of people that make a big deal out of God's... uh, Uh, knowledge of every event that's going to happen. They call themselves Calvinist, and, and they believe that God somehow has originated and planned for sin and that God actually condones it because He made people to sin. Now, that's ridiculous. What it simply is doing is trying to make God fit within the realm of the understanding of a human being You cannot, as a created being, comprehend the Creator. It's not possible. Now, God knew everything everyone was going to do. And God has chosen to take the evil intent of evil men and use it to His glory because He is God. Only God could do that. You ever think how hard people fight against God and against holiness and against truth? You wonder why people wear all these outrageous outfits and dye their hair 15 colors and put. Uh, I like the way one preacher explained it says, it looks like they fell in dad's tackle box. Uh, they got little hooks and pins just shooting out everywhere. You, you can die from that, and people do every year. Uh, not a lot, but there are people that, that get infection from all of those piercing, and it gets into their bloodstream, and they die. It is—it's uh, the name of the infection is actually sepsis, uh, and it goes into your bloodstream and poisons your entire body. It's—it's a—it's a scary thing, but people do this. Why? Because I'm gonna prove. I'm going to prove how strong and how, how I can abide without God. There's one man, he wants to be a lizard. Anybody any seen pictures of the lizard man? I mean, he got his tongue clipped and he's got his uh, scales tattooed all over. I don't know where I saw this thing, but it, he wants to be a lizard. Now, let me ask you a question. How smart are lizards? Don't we have traveling lizard shows to show how smart lizards are like the dolphins and all the rest of the animals? I mean, I think if you were going to pick something, you'd shoot just a little higher than a lizard. Now, wouldn't you? Well, maybe not. Certainly not for this guy. I mean, he's famous. You, You see pictures of him everywhere. That's his claim to fame, is he is the lizard man. And uh, I'll tell you what, he's not the lizard man. He's just a very misguided human being. Sincerely, I mean, he really believes. You'd have to believe in something. I know where I read that. It was on an article on people dying from infections from all of these tattoos and piercings and things, and he was one of their poster children i mean he just had it was it was it was scary we need to move on the battle against sin the world is working hard to prove they don't need god how outraged did those members of the religion of islam get over a few silly little cartoons Wasn't that ridiculous? But I'll tell you, how outraged do people get when they put that billboard on Staten Island with just a simple Bible verse that said, it is abomination for man to lie with mankind as he does with a woman. Does Anybody remember that? That billboard didn't last two weeks. They made him take it down. Why? Because a lot of people who hate this book called the Bible couldn't abide by those few little words up there on a billboard. Now, what is that? Well, you see, they believe in what they do. Now, as a Christian, we do not blow up abortion clinics. We do not fight our warfare with physical weapons and all of that because our battle is not physical. It's spiritual. It's for the hearts and minds of those who are willing to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. That's where the battle is, my friend. And we're not going to be deterred or distracted by trying to fight a physical battle Or a spiritual battle with physical means. It says there is therefore now no condemnation to them that walk in the spirit and not after the flesh. It says if we'll mortify the deeds of the flesh, we are going to live. Now that word mortify means to make dead. It comes from the same base word as mortician. A mortician is someone who takes care of dead things. We do not need Christian morticians follow what I'm saying? That's Christians running around taking care of dead things. Allowing sin in your life. What we need to do is get rid of the dead things and start living the live things. Amen? Start putting our attention. You do not fight sin in your life by saying, I hate sin. Uh, well, let's, let's pick on gluttony. That's an easy sin, right? That's a little one we think. Say, I hate overeating. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to overeat. I'm, 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 I just hate the way I feel when I overeat. And I know that it's not good for me, and I'm not going to overeat. I'm not going to overeat. Bye. I'm, I'm hungry. I'm going to go get a snack. You just put all of your attention on the very thing you're trying to get rid of, and you don't put anything in there. Cigarettes. I hate cigarettes. Cigarettes. If all you're doing is talking about cigarettes, you're going to go get a pack. That's where our verse comes in. It says, For I reckon. Now, I know we have at least one accountant here today. How many people reconcile their own checkbooks? I mean, you sit down and you get that thing out to the penny. And you don't pick one out of your pocket and add it in. You find out where the mistake is. On do we, I'm, That's the way I am. I, I, I don't like mistakes. I find them. One time I went through nine months of church records to find one little typo. Somebody had inverted two numbers and it was off like 11 cents but you can't do that. If somebody ever looked at those books, they would say, why didn't you fix that? Do you know how much work that is? said, we don't care how much work that is. You've got to prove or, or we're going to go through your books and we're going to check them out. uh uh-uh, we'll, we'll do it right the first time. It's a whole lot less work, isn't it? Well, the word reconcile and the word reckon are the same word, amen? You cannot just sit down. We got this crazy idea. Well, I reckon. No, that's not what it is. The word reckon means a mathematical proof, an absolute equation that works out. It is provable. It is repeatable. It is something that is based upon fact, not hope so, not think so. The Apostle Paul is writing here and he says, For I reckon, he said, I've sat down, I've added it up. I can prove to you beyond any shadow of a doubt in anybody's math book with anyone's calculator under the investigation of any set of auditors the things that I'm going to tell you in this verse. He says, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time. Now, do we need to spend a lot of time explaining the sufferings of this present time? How many of you have experienced the sufferings of this present time this week? I mean, been there. Life is not easy, is it? Anything that's worth obtaining takes every amount of effort that you can put into it. And Paul is saying, listen, for I reckon that the sufferings of this present time, what I am going through today, now let's keep it in the context. What I am going through today in the battle with sin in my life in trying to walk in the Spirit and not in the flesh, in the mortifying of the deeds of the flesh, the sufferings of this present time are not worthy. Now, James chapter 1, I want you to turn there for a minute. We want to talk about the sufferings of this present time. James chapter 1, find the book of Hebrews, It says, verse 2, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. That word diverse means diverse. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. Now, we love patient people. We love it when we have the ability to be patient. Now, the easiest way to be patient is to lock yourself in a room and not allow anybody else in, right? But when we have to deal with other people, we love it when they're patient with us. But we hate being patient with other people because the only way you get patience is by suffering. You find somebody that is a very patient person, it's because they have endured a lot of personal tragedy. That's why they're able to put up with other people. But they've endured it the right way. If you take this suffering and look at it the proper way, you will endure it. You will understand why God puts it in your life. He puts it there for a reason. Because he is chipping away He is trying to teach you that your reliance cannot be upon yourself, but it must be upon the Creator God that made you. And it says that if we'll let patience have her perfect work, it says you'll be perfect and entire wanting nothing. And that word perfect does not mean sinless perfection, finally polished and all. of It just means complete in Jesus Christ. It means having what you need to live today. Boy, that'd be great, wouldn't it? To have what I need. Matthew 5. Let me just read these verses. It says, Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad for great is your reward in heaven for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Let me read you the words that Jesus spoke in Mark chapter 10. He said, But... When Peter asked him the question, says, Lord, we've left all and followed thee. What are we going to get? And Jesus said, but he shall receive an hundredfold. Now in this time, houses and brethren and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions. And in the world to come, eternal life. If you're still there in the book of James, just turn over a page or so. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 7. It says, well, let's, let's read verse 6. Wherefore, ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold which perish, perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. One of the questions that people often ask who are against this Bible is how can a God of love allow so much suffering to go on in this world? Now, here's one of the reasons. Not the only reason, my friend. We don't have time this morning to explore the others. Because God uses the tool of suffering to shape us and to prepare us for the world to come. And let me tell you something. If you were to get Warren Buffett or Bill Gates and ask them what they have suffered... What pain has been brought in their life so that they could have the fortunes that they have amassed, they'll give you a list as long as you're on. There's a lot of things that those men went through so that they could get that amount of cash. It doesn't come cheap, my friend. But I'll tell you, we're suffering for a different reason. You know how much money Bill Gates is going to leave when he dies? All of it. They don't have bank accounts wherever he's going. I have no idea which way he's going, uh, but I'm not encouraged about heaven, uh, at least by what he says and what he does. He's going to leave all of it, every penny of it. Uh, I think they finally settled Howard Hughes' estate just a few years ago. They were fighting over that thing 30 years after he died. You know who got it? The lawyers. Got somewhere around 70 or 80% of Mr. Hughes' estate. And they earned it. I'll tell you. It says, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy. Now, when we think of the idea of worthy... I'll tell you, there's only one who is worthy, amen? That is Jesus. Let me just read you two verses. Revelation 4, 11 says, Thou art worthy, worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. Revelation 5, 9 says, And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God, by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. Paul says, for I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy. Have you ever tried to compare different things to see whether they're valuable or not? I mean, we make trades every day. Tomorrow, most of you are going to go to work. Why? Because you have made an evaluation that the trade of your time and trial and toil and whatever you have to put up with at that job is worth the paycheck that you receive at the end of the week. You've reckoned that. You've proved it. Because you keep going back for more. Say, I hate my job. I hate my boss. I hate everything I do. And why do you keep going back? Because I'd rather put up with that and have enough money to eat than I would not put up with that and be living on the park bench, right? I I mean, we've made a decision here. We have compared those things. We compare things all of the time. We walk into a store and we say, Do I want to trade these few things with dead president's pictures on it for whatever I'm going to take home with me and put in a box and never use? Uh, That's what we do, right? Paul says, listen, I reckon the sufferings of this present time are not worthy. They're not comparable. There is no value when I look at the sufferings of this present time and compare them with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Paul says, I am looking at the big picture here. He said, there is no amount of suffering that I can endure in this existence called mankind, called life, that is worth trading one moment in heaven for. That's what he's saying. And, if we'll put these things in perspective. You ever throw a pity party for yourself? Just get feeling down and you just get under the burden of everything and you're just sitting there going, I don't know what's going on. I just don't feel like I can live the kind of life I'm supposed to live. The battles are so furious and I'm losing and I can't do this and I... And and why even try? Am I the only one that's ever thought about that? I was doing that this week. Tired. All this construction stuff's driving me nuts. But listen, I happened to put on a good tape. And it was singing a song about heaven. And I repeat the words of the psalmist: I was like a beast. You know, we get looking at the things around us and we forget what God talks about in this place called heaven. You say, "Ah, oh, you just want those guys pie in the sky by and by." Hey, buddy, I'm going to have more than pie in the sky. I'm going to be in the presence of Almighty God. And I'll be able to worship Him and bring glory to His name. And there is no amount of suffering. There is no amount of hardship. There is no trial that you can go through that is worthy of one second of what you're going to enjoy in heaven. There are people that are going to miss out on heaven because they think, that if they give their lives to the Lord Jesus Christ, that somehow they're going to miss out on some little bit of perverted pleasure, passing fancy that they can stink their claws into for just a few seconds here on earth. Stop and think about it. Think about some of you older people here. Think about all the fun you had when you were sinning. You say, Pastor, I don't want to think about that. You know, I thought I was having fun, but now I look back at it 10 years later, 5 years later, 20 years later, and there's only one name for it. Stupid. Now, all the people that agree with me say amen. Is that all the amen we can get out of that? Let's try that again. One, two, three. I mean, what we did in the world before we were saved. We thought we were having fun, but it was just robbing us. And you know, there are some of us today, if we would stand up and give testimonies. God has forgiven us, but the scars are still there. The world always takes more than it gives. Jesus always gives more than he asked for. All he wants is your broken down, messed up life. And if you think that your life isn't messed up and broken down and you're here unsaved today, I challenge you, take a look around you and see what's really going on. Because it is. And if you have everything this world has to offer, who was it, Randolph Hearst? richest man in America in his time, said, I give everything I have for one good marriage. Couldn't find one. You know why? Because Randall first was a jerk, that's why. Nobody could stand to live with the guy. Why was he that way? Because he was given to sin in his heart. If he had only given his life to the Lord Jesus Christ he would have realized that the little bit of suffering that he had to put up with to put up with other people was well worth it. Because when we give to others, that's where the real joy in life is, amen? When we surrender to the Lord Jesus Christ, one of the fruits of the Spirit is long-suffering. You know what that means? That means putting up with everybody else. Don't we hate putting up with other people? Isn't that awful? If only everybody could be as smart as I am and understand things right like I do, the world would be a better place now, wouldn't it? Uh, No. It wouldn't be. If it would, God would do it, but He's not going to because He's made us individuals. And he uses this thing called suffering, and we've got to get it under perspective. Because if you're not suffering, if you're not paying the price, if you're not struggling against sin, there's only one reason why you're not. It's not because you're highly perfect and not tempted like other people. It's because you refuse to recognize what's really going on around you. You're in a parallel universe. You're just not paying attention. Or you don't have enough of this Word of God in you to even understand what the issue is. happens. really does. Now, let's put this verse in the rest of its context. I want you to look down to verse 31. We're going to read through the end of the chapter, and we're going to be done in just a few minutes. Verse 31. It says, "What shall we say then to these things? If God, before us, who can be against us? He that spared not His own Son, but delivered Him up for us all, how shall He not, with Him, also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is He that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather that is risen again." who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay! Now, don't you love those verses? How many of you have read those verses in Romans chapter 8 that we just read to comfort yourself in a a time of deep distress and personal trial? I have on many occasions. I, I love those verses. But I want to put them in context. You see, as we reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. This is the glory, my friend. And if we're not living, verse 18, we relinquish the right to verses 31 through 39. If we're not willing to battle against personal sin in our lives, then I have to ask you a question. How does the love of Christ dwell in you? Because that's what the love of Christ is all about. It is leaving this world behind so that we can serve the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a real and living Relationship with a real and living Creator that is coming to take us to live in heaven with Him forever. Thursday night we talked about how Jesus took death and destroyed the devil with it. Hebrews chapter 2. The devil has no weapon. The only reason we find it hard to fight against the devil is because we allow our minds to run through those perverse lines of thinking that somehow we're going to get some little good out of some sin or some thing that we allow to be involved in our life. Somehow we think that by me being in control, somehow I'm going to solve this problem. You're not going to solve any problems. Stop and think. Be honest today. How many problems in your life have you really solved? Now stop and think how many problems in your life you really created by trying to solve the problems you were trying to solve. The second list is a whole lot longer than the first list now, isn't it? And that's just a few seconds that you're able to think about it right here. If you want an exercise, go home and spend some time this afternoon writing it out. It'll scare the living daylights out of you. Paul said, the sufferings of this present time, I don't look for them. I don't ask for them. I don't go out and try to find them. They just have a way of finding me. Amen? How about you? The sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. That Jesus Christ, humanly speaking, will put his arm around me and say, this is my brother. That's the glory that shall be revealed in us. He's going to identify with me. Because I'm such a wonderful person. Now, if you know me very well, you know that's not true. But we serve a wonderful God. Amen. Anything good in my life is because of Jesus Christ. Anything bad in my life or blame me for it because I'm, I'm responsible just as you are in yours. But if we can get this perspective, it'll lift you up just a little bit. Hey, wait a minute. Let me compare what I have to do to be a Christian to what's going to happen to me as a Christian once I die and go to heaven. Or if Jesus comes first, then I don't even have to die. What a wonderful truth, amen? It is not worthy to be compared. It is a struggle in this life. There is some suffering involved. But we've tried to illustrate this morning that there's suffering involved in everybody's life who does anything that counts. And if I've got to invest some suffering, I want to invest it in the cause that the suffering is not even worthy to be compared for. Heard about the 16-year-old boy just got his learner's permit, not in New York State. Comes driving down the street in a brand new Porsche. His parents his, open the door and see their son getting out of this car. And they say, what are you doing? He said, it's mine. I just bought it. Then they really went berserk. He said, where did you get the money for this car? He said, the lady up the street sold it to me for 15 bucks. He said, no. No. She must have stolen it. You you don't know what? No. Here's the title right here. Mom and Dad went up the street to see the lady. Did you sell this hundred thousand dollar card to our son for fifteen bucks? I said yes, I did. I said why? But she said my husband just ran off and sent me an email asking him to. Uh, sell his car and send him the the money. So I sold him his car and I'm going to send him the money. (laughs) Didn't really happen. Fun to think about it though, isn't it? You see, you all laugh because that $100,000 Porsche compared to $15,000 not worthy to be compared to the two now, is it? wouldn't stand up in a court of law, wouldn't make any sense at all. But $15 suffering, heaven, invaluable. Could we just look at it the right way and see if we could find a little reason to live for Jesus this week. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before You. Lord, We ask, I ask that the funny story at the end would not be distracting to the true point of the message. But Lord, that we would remember that it is reckoned it is reconcilable, we can prove it that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Lord, I pray that you would be with the Christians that are here today and that you would strengthen them in their resolve and their understanding and in, in the ability to battle with sin in their lives, Lord. I pray for those that are here today that are unsaved. That in the battle for their soul, that they would be willing to surrender to Jesus Christ today. That they'd be willing to put themselves and their futures and their plans and their wishes and anything else that might be put on that list aside to find the greatest value of all, a living relationship with the Creator of this universe. We ask that you would work during this time of invitation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together. Have Brother Franz come and lead us in the hymn of invitation, 541 in your hymn books, a song we sing often, It just simply says, only trust Him. And as we sing those words, if you need to come and pray, the altar is open. If you're not saved, would you come and let someone show you from the Bible how to be saved? As we sing, will you come?
0: Come, every soul I sin, oppressed, there's mercy with love. Surely give you rest By trusting in His Word Only trust Him Only trust Him Only trust Him now He will save you He will save you He will save you now Jesus Blood and rich blessings to be stored through the crimson flood that washes white as snow. Only trust in
1: We don't want to rush anyone that is praying here. We want to give opportunity for those who still need to come to come. If you're here today and you're not saved, Would you give us the opportunity to open this book called the Bible? We're not here to force any decisions. We can't do that. We just want you to make the decision that God would have you to. We just believe that when you understand what the Bible says, that you couldn't turn your back on the Lord Jesus. Let's just sing that chorus one more time. If no one else comes, we'll be done. Only trust Him, only trust Him, only trust Him now. He will save you, He will save you, He will save you now. And all God's people said, Amen. You may be seated. And uh, we'll have our ushers come at this time to receive the offering. Brother John, would you pray for the offering today?
2: Rejoice with them today that they were saved. We'd be so happy. We pray that you would bless the missionaries all around the world. Our heart rejoices that we can send them this money and support them and continue to spread the gospel around the world.
1: Amen. Amen. Um, just before Franz comes, I uh, just want to remind you, uh, tonight we need to have a, a business meeting uh, as the church. And uh, uh, Brother Zach, what time do you guys normally get out? About 7.15? 7 o'clock? Okay. What we'll do is, uh, as soon as you get dismissed tonight, if you'll just... Look at me through the window there. We'll stop the prayer meeting, and we'll have the business meeting right then so everybody can be with us. And our regular evening service is at 6 o'clock. We'll be discussing uh, just the renovations and the cost and all of that. So, uh, members, we need you to be here for that if at all possible. Uh, Thursday night, we'll be having a special speaker because of the Heartland class. Uh, Pastor Vic Rivera started his church nearly 30 years ago, downtown Philadelphia. And so we'll have him come up to give just a little bit of flavor to the inner-city missions class. And, and I figured since we are having him here, I uh, just ask him if he'd preach for us on Thursday night, and he said he'd be happy to do that. Uh, we'll have a regular visitation on Saturday. We'll also be going out Saturday morning, and uh, the men's prayer meeting will actually be at 4 o'clock like it normally is. And then please mark on your calendar, 4th of July, uh, we'll probably be starting late afternoon uh, having our, our picnic here. We'll have dinner. We'll have service. The Glory Bound Quartet from Heartland is going to sing, and uh, if you've never heard these guys sing, we'll have to get the CD and play it over to PA System sometime. I mean, uh, as they say down south, they can sing, and uh, it's a lot of fun, and uh, we'll be looking forward to them. And then we'll try to watch the fireworks if we can work out all the deal uh, so you don't have to go down and stand in the hot, sweaty crowd all afternoon and uh, listen to all the rock and roll music and all that stuff. We'll see if we can't project the fireworks and play our own music here and uh, see how that works. And uh, so just uh, pray about that. Make plans to be here and uh, uh, read uh, the letters about the missionaries and their work. Brother Franz, come and lead us as we're dismissed.
0: Stand and turn to page 705 if you need the words. Take the name of Jesus with you, child of sorrow and of woe. It will joy and comfort give you. Take it then wherever you go. Precious name, oh how sweet. Oh, how sweet hope of earth and joy.